Allah mentions that he destroyed Fir'aun and his people and uh, this was by saving Musa with his people. So one side there is Najat and uh, deliverance for one group of people and the other side there is no deliverance and no Najat and no escape for another group. This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs us about the cause and effect in this world that if you believe uh, in Allah the right way and if you follow the right person you will be successful in the eyes of Allah in the other world and also in this world but if you do not do that then you will be unsuccessful in the eyes of Allah in this world and also in the other world this is a very simple standard explanation of the purpose of sending prophets and messengers to reform people to give glad tidings to those who believe and accept and to warn those who do not believe and accept so there's a cause what is the cause? the cause is Allah's sending messengers and the effect can be one of two if you accept then you are successful if you do not accept then you are not successful again it's a very simple and a very standard explanation here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala turns our attention to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. so all of this was an introduction to the Prophet sallallahu wasallam's mission this whole story of Musa from the time he was born and until the time that Fir'aun is destroyed all of this is a backdrop to reassure the Prophet about his mission now look we're telling you the story not because it's a good story in fact it is the story but because you have a role to play and you must now appreciate your context and your context is the same as this context of Musa so now use that story as a parable and a bridge to understand your context so Allah subhanahu wa says in ayah number 43 that indeed we gave Musa revelation after we had now previously uh, destroyed people and nations and generations of the old why so? so that the revelation will be a clear guidance and testimony for people and a clear guidance and also a rahmah a type of mercy so that they may reflect and take heed 
So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now mentioning that in the, the understanding of world events and how human history plays out, there is a purposeful revelation also. Okay? Meaning after people are destroyed, then it should be that the matter is resolved, as was perhaps the case with Nuh salam, and the flood that it brought this destruction upon all of mankind except those who were saved in the ark. And here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala using the same metaphor of water drowning Fir'aun the superpower of the world at that time and saving a small group of people. Except that Musa didn't have a ship and Nuh salam had a ship but the result was the same. Right. So this is what means after we had previously destroyed the old generations so the old generations they are destroyed and now this generation meaning the generation in which Musa was born and raised they were also destroyed and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala still gave him revelation the kitab so that they may be clear evidences for people to help people see and realize and observe how people come to the world and how people leave the world. Everybody comes and goes in and from the world. That is inevitable. But the question is, how do you leave the world? If you leave the world, God forbid, as the consequences of Allah's punishment, then people should see that. Basair, they should observe it. And if you leave the world as a consequence of Allah's fadl on you, then people should see that also. Observe it. So now, Muslims are asked to observe the consequences of people in human history and decide which group they want to belong with. This one or that one. That's the meaning of hudan. There's no guidance. When you observe correctly, you have guidance. When you don't observe correctly, you have misguidance. So two people will be observing the same event and the same phenomenon. And based on their worldview, and based on their aqidah, based on their iman, they will have two very diametrically opposing observations. One will see this, as perhaps just a sign of the times. Musa was successful because it just happened to happen. <laughs> Everybody comes and dies. So now another person will say, see this as divine guidance. So everybody observes, like today, mashallah, was observing whatever is happening in the world and they all have their own take. Okay, so there is now uh, a, a take that is driven by perhaps the media right? so the media wants to impress their view right? on people who watch them and listen to them and there's another view that is impressed upon us by academics and intellectuals and there's another view that is state-sponsored and there's another view that is religious and there's another view that is atheistic and there's another view which might be according to science or philosophy. And so many views. How are you looking at this event? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that Allah, He gave Musa salam the book, the revelation, so that He would observe these events 
has guidance from Allah Hudan. That is Hidayah from Allah. Now, unfortunately, one person dies and the other survives. And how do you seek guidance from that? That is through your Iman and only through your Iman. And when you have Iman, then you will see that as a reminder for you. As a form of Rahmah. Yeah, Rahmatan, as some of you know, is now in the Nakira sense, it's a form and a type of Rahmah, not something that is specific. Now, people who don't appreciate Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being the divine will say, how can you call this a Rahmah? When Fir'aun perished and he died. So that's why we say a type of Rahmah. That type of Rahmah is for those who have been rightly guided in the observation of the event. Meaning that if I do what he did, I will end up where he ended up. Then that's a rahmah. Right? So somebody shows you that, that there's a pit in front of you, then that's a rahmah. And if somebody shows you that in this pit somebody else before you also fell or fell in, that's also a rahmah. Because it's a reminder for you, he's showing you that you must, I don't want you to end up where he ended up. This is a type of rahmah that the basira and the observation Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to people. And Allah is saying this about Musa alayhi salam, that this was an observation for people, mankind in general. And everybody knows the story of Musa and Fir'aun. So that they may take heed. They may acquire the dhikr and the reminder and the remembrance from these stories and from the book, the Torah, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave Musa Now coming to the subject of the, the story, that is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah says, that, O oh Muhammad, you were not there on the western side when we decreed the affair and the matter to Musa, السلام, the command, which is the Torah, and so on. Nor were you there as a witness. You were not present when we gave Musa this Torah and this communication and these guidances uh, from our side. But we have informed you. So one is to say that you were there and you observed. And the other is to say that I believe and through my process of belief I observe. So that's another form of observation. One is that you, you, you tell your children stories of your parents and your grandparents. And you sit down around the fireplace and you say, this is what happened. But you weren't there when that happened. But your 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 ability to be a good storyteller helps the children observe what you believe happened. So they relate to you. Okay? So the, the, the art of storytelling, because this surah is what? Al-Qasas, the story. So Allah subhanahu wa understand that the art of storytelling will tell you how to observe based on your belief. So Rasulullah sallallahu belief Alhamdulillah, as we all know. And through this belief, through this process of belief, he is now uh, identifying himself with this story. In this story. He is personifying the story. 
it is as if he is there. As if he is there. وَمَا كُنْتَ مِنَ الشَّاهِدِ You weren't there an observer, but now you are observing what we are narrating to you through the story. Okay? And that is why storytelling is important. We must not underestimate the value of storytelling. Hence, the Qur'an uses stories all the time. The surah is named the story, and Surah Yusuf is called Ahsan al-Qas, the best of stories. Why? Because without storytelling, people will not be able to observe realities. Realities are abstract, as are ideals, and ideologies, and philosophies. Stories are real, they're concrete. People will relate to a story. They may not relate to a very sophisticated argument and a philosophical uh, description of reality. They relate to a story. It's very easy. So now, in the oral tradition that was with the Prophet and even before them, storytelling now played the role of convincing people that the story is true. If you were able to convince a person through your storytelling that this story is good as true, then people will believe. And now you've seen how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has depicted the story of Musa salam in, as we know, a miraculous way. So it is as if the Prophet sallam, is there observing everything that Allah is now saying. Allah was a witness. And Rasulullah through his thought process, based on his iman and conviction, yaqeen, is as if he is there. Although you are not there physically, you are there now when we are narrating the story. So bringing the, your, your, your presence into the storyteller's now event. We were there. Now we want to bring you to that event. And the way to do that is by words which is magic. The Prophet said that in uh, the art of expressing, uh, there is sihr, there is magic. So you bring the person right there in front of the story. Right there. Right? So, but it's not deception, because the story is true. But the truth is uh, that we have then raised other generations and other people, and then their lives dragged on. The okay? that became long, their lives dragged on. The alayhim Allah subhanahu wa is saying that the reason He produced more nations and more people was to give people more time so that the earth would be inhabited by human beings. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would show his, show, would show his fadl, his rahmah, upon those who believe, and then uh, show others that he is in control. And he is almighty and powerful. وَمَا كُنْتَ ثَاوِيًا فِي أَهْلِ مَدْيَنَا تَتْلُوَ عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتِنَا وَلَكِنَّا كُنَّا مُرْسِلِينَ Nor were you a dweller, nor were you a resident in the town and the people of Madian. When we spoke to you about Madian and Musa. Okay. Meaning that you were not there. We are describing our presence there. And through our descriptions of our presence with Musa alayhi salam. It is as if you are there. 
and you are living there. Tatlu alayhim ayatiya. When we were reciting our signs to them, walakinna kunna muslim, but we indeed were uh, sending messengers to them, the people of Madian before Musa salam in Shu'ayb al-Islam's Madian, where they were there, and they were destroyed, even though they were very economically prosperous. Okay. So before Fir'aun, in that part of the world in Madian, which is in between what is now modern-day uh, Iraq and Egypt, there was a place strategically located called the town and city of Madian, where it was commercially very thriving, and people were very prosperous, and business came from all quarters of the world. After that, it became derelict and desolate, where is, that is where Musa met his father-in-law Shaib, who is not the Nabi Shaib, he came before that. And Allah is now saying that you are not there. To see the difference between the economically prosperous Madian and the economically bankrupt Madian. Thawiyan fi ahli Madian, the people of Madian. So the people of Madian went through two phases. One phase that they were very successful, and the other phase that they were fighting over water. Right? When Musa went to Madian, what were they doing? They were fighting over water. That's not a prosperous time. But before that, in the time of Shaib al-Islam, they were very prosperous. As you will see the connection between the Quraysh and the people of Madian later on in this surah. Okay. So here Allah subhanahu wa is bringing out of this reality to the Prophet wasallam that you don't have a civilization like the civilization of Fir'aun to confront Musa salam did. But you do have a group of people who are very prosperous economically, and that is the Quraysh. So even if you don't relate to the destruction of a civilization and the protection of a few people, twelve tribes, you will relate to the Madian before that. Okay, the time before that, meaning the time of Shaib where the whole city was thriving with wealth, which is what the Quraysh are experiencing now in Mecca. Okay. Refers to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sending messengers to every type of people. People who were ruled by dynasties and by ruthless rulers and dictators, and people who were ruled not by dynasties but by money, without necessarily a system of government uh, that leads itself or lends itself to a state government, okay? as were the Quraysh. The Quraysh were very tribal in their administering of their rules and their policies. They were not at all a state in what we know to be a state today. So Allah sent messengers to every type of people. So you don't need to be extensive in order to be given a messenger to remind you of your duties. وَمَا كُنْتَ بِجَانِبِ الطُّورِ إِذْ نَادَيْنَا وَلَكِنْ رَحْمَةً مِنْ رَبِّكَ لِتُنْذِرَ قَوْمًا مَا أَتَاهُمْ مِنْ نَذِيرٍ مِنْ قَبْلِكَ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَتَذَكَّرُونَ This is how you tie this ayah with the whole theme and the discussion that the people of Mecca have never been given a messenger before you. Okay? 
the Arabs of that time were not privy to a messenger until Muhammad وسلم, came to give them the message. So now how does all this relate to you? The way I have suggested. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends messengers to different types of people. It could be a superpower and it could be just a very small community that is thriving economically. So we are now sending you as a messenger also to your people in the same vein. Nor were you on the side of the mount, At-Tur, when we did call and summon Musa salam, but much better than that, it's a means of rahmah from your Lord, that we are letting you in on this conversation that Allah subhanahu wa had with Musa on the mount. Okay. No one was there to record nor to report that incident. The incident of the burning bush, the incident of Allah subhanahu wa speaking to Musa through the bush, the incident of Musa receiving revelation on, on Mount Sinai. There, were no, there was no one there. We didn't have satellites up in the air to uh, spy on Musa and see what he was doing. There was no filming crew. No one was there. Who was there? Allah was there, Musa was there. Now who's going to tell you about this? Allah. Why is he telling you this? Rahmatam mir Rabbik. A form and a type of rahmah from your Lord. Because Allah wants to raise you. And he wants you to uh, now progress in your nabuwa And in your knowledge and in your understanding of, wo- of the world. And world events. And so that you know this is what happened there. So the Prophet is processing all this as a rahmah from Allah. Why is this going to help you? لِتُنْذِرَ قَوْمًا مَا أَتَاهُمْ مِنْ نَذِيرٍ So that you may warn a group of people uh, who were not sent a messenger before you. مِنْ نَذِيرٍ No warner was sent to the Quraysh before you. Now how are you going to warn these people? So now on one side, you are uh, donned with Nabuwa and you are uh, rightfully so very apprehensive about your mission on the other side we are telling you the story what is the story that look Musa uh, was supposed to be dead but he didn't die the person who wanted to kill him raised him and then when he was raised by that person uh, the person who was raised by him now killed somebody from his people and then left and then he came back to now do what? give him a message from God Almighty. How daunting is that? Your task in front of the task of Musa is not daunting. Because Musa's task was so overwhelmingly impossible even to conceive. You could not have conceived a better story than the story of Musa. Could you? I think so. Right. The divine had this plan from day one that whoever is going to be arrogant on the land, on Allah's earth, they will be given the humble pie to meet to eat. This is what happened to Firaun. So Firaun wanted to kill Musa. Musa Islam was now the eventual reason why Firaun and his people were destroyed. And how did that happen? By Firaun raising Musa. He raised his own. Nemesis. Who does this? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, your Lord. 
So here, Muhammad that we, we, we have now brought you into the story through storytelling. Now we want you to relate to this story by relating to your mission. So this one of two ways. Either you say in your mind that this is not daunting in comparison to the mission of Musa that we gave him on Mount Sinai. Or you can say that this is just like the mission that Shaib al-Islam was given to the people of Madian. Because your situation is like the situation of Shaib, that the Quraysh are overwhelming in terms of their social esteem and their ability to generate money and capital and wealth, and they bring money and wealth into a desert. It's quite incredible. Where the people of Shuaib, they were economic, they were strategically placed, geographically placed for commerce to come. The people of Quraysh, they're right bang smack in the middle of a desert that nobody wants to know about. And it's surrounded by mountains that you can't even come there to do business. But they are economically prosperous. Okay? So now your task is not as daunting of that Shuaib al Islam either. Because you have now Allah. Uh, subhanahu wa ta'ala with you from day one and you are from the people of the Quraysh and they know you and they know you as an orphan and they don't have any uh, strings attached to you nor do you have any strings attached to them this is a form of rahmah from your Lord that you may do this so that uh, you know the, 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 the hujjah is established upon the Quraysh also so that they may also take heed and they may also learn from the lessons of the people of Shaib and Madian and from the lessons of Firaun and his people which the Quraysh knew of. Right. So you must not assume that the Quraysh did not know about these stories. They knew about these stories. They knew about Ad and Thamud. They knew about Lut. They knew about Ibrahim. They knew about Shaib and they knew about Firaun and Musa. They knew this. It was not, because as I said, it's folklore and storytelling. Wherever they traveled, people told stories. And that's how the message was delivered from one people to another people. Likewise, Muhammad you are now saying something to them which is not incredible because they've already heard these stories, but they haven't heard the story this way. The words that the Quran uses is in the midst of all and it is a miracle. So now tell them, O Muhammad وسلم, that you've heard these stories, now hear the story from us. If they do not do this, and had it been that if another musibah, calamity, disaster falls upon them because of their actions and their deeds, okay, so then a day might come when they just might say, O oh our Lord, if only you had sent to us a messenger whom we could follow, and then based on following him, we follow your ayat and your signs and your evidences and your verses, and then we would become those from those who are believers. Okay? So the reason Allah is now sending you as a messenger to the Quraysh is that the Quraysh and these, uh, these Arab tribes are the last of people 
to whom a messenger is going to be sent. Everybody else had a messenger. The Quran says, every nation has been given a warner. Every nation. So we know this, that historically, in human civilization, there has been no nation who has not been given a prophet. After Nuh, everyone's been given a prophet. Except which people? These people. So the Hujjah had to be established that uh, the Quraysh and the people of uh, the Hijaz at that time, the Arab tribes, were not given a Nabi. So we chose you to be the Nabi, and we chose you to be the last Nabi, so that no one can say on the Day of Judgment that no Rasul was sent to us. But human beings, being human beings, will say this also. So they will say, if only you had sent Dear God, a messenger, so that we could follow him and then understand your signs. And then we would be believers. This has already uh, happened, as we know. The Prophet came and he delivered the message. So we, we, we see that Allah subhanahu wa is leaving no excuse for human beings to say that we were not warned. And we did not understand Tawheed. And we did not understand the Akhirah and so on. Every nation has been given uh, guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We may trace those guidances, all forms of guidances, through their folklore, through their stories, through their lyrics, through their petitions and supplications, otherwise known as du'as, and uh, everything else that they do. In the name of culture and religion, if, if you want to do that, you be my guest. You will find evidence of Tawheed and the Akhirah in every nation. And we do that here at Darfaz and we assign students the task of finding out where are those words in their poems and their songs and their lyrics where we find very evident signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Tawheed and evident signs of understanding the Akhirah. Anyway, this is uh, something for us to think about and ponder about. وَلَوْلَا أَن تُصِيبَهُمْ مُصِيبَةٌ بِمَا قَدَّمَتْ أَيْدِيهِمْ فَيَقُولُوا رَبَّنَا لَوْلَا أَرْسَلْتَ إِلَيْنَا رَسُولًا فَنَتَّبِعَ آيَاتِكَ وَنَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَلَمَّا جَاءَهُمُ الْحَقُّ مِنْ عِنْدِنَا قَالُوا لَوْلَا أُوْتِيَ مِثْلَ مَا أُوْتِيَ مُوسَى And then when the Haqq eventually comes to them from our side, they will say, if only okay, he was given or I was given what Musa was given. Meaning they knew the story very well. And they would say on the Day of Judgment to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, why didn't you give me what you gave Musa in the form of direct <coughs> communication with you? So now this is the, the plight of human arrogance. That the human arrogance corners human beings to the degree where you end up saying this. Why didn't you talk to me the way you spoke to Musa? So if, you, if God speaks to you, you'll be in a, you know, you'll be in a bin, a psychiatric ward. You'll be in a straitjacket. People will put injections into you and you'll go to sleep for a very long time. You're not able to handle God speaking to you. Right? God doesn't speak to you out of rahmah for you. Right? So that's the bottom line. So here, Allah subhanahu wa is bringing out the danger of human arrogance uh, that uh, you know you, you have to be careful. Musa alayhi salam 
received Allah's communication because he was a very strong, strong man, physically, as we know from the story. He punched somebody and he killed him. Very strong man. He was able to receive wahi because he was spiritually and morally strong. We're not able to receive wahi because uh, we would die. We would just die, period. It is not possible for us to receive wahi. لو أنزلنا هذا القرآن على جبل لرأيت الخاشع متصدعا من خشية الله. Even a mountain is not able to receive Allah's direct communication. So you have to be a very special person to receive Allah's communication. And that is what Allah is warning uh, human beings about. That you don't need to receive communication directly. You must observe the truth through your iman by the ability of the Quran to give you a story and to narrate a story. Right. So, meaning the Quran is saying that understand first and foremost the words that Allah uses to depict the story, then understand that in that depiction there is a mu'jiza, the mu'jiza of bayan, the mu'jiza of expression. Once you overcome this, then you will succumb and you will say, I acquiesce, I believe that no one can mention this story unless they were there. No one can describe the story until, unless they were there. Muhammad Sallallahu was not there. So where did he get the story from? From Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's no other source because you've already condemned him, excuse the expression, as being what? An orphan, an illiterate. You know, he was raised with you for 40 years. You know nothing about his ability to come out with expression after expression and story after story. He never left the Hijaz except once. So where does he get this knowledge from? So this knowledge must come from somewhere. So Allah subhanahu wa using this whole experience of the Prophet to receive the story of Musa salam to, to, to prove to the Quraysh that, look, Allah doesn't want to speak to you because he's already spoken to Muhammad So get over it. And if you don't get over it, then you'll be in trouble. Lawla uti ma uti Musa. Then Allah says, Isn't it so that even the people who met Musa, they also disbelieved in him? Even when they saw the signs and the evidences, the staff, and the shining hand. They were not able to decipher that this is from Allah, and not sihr or not magic. They said, the people who rejected Musa, these are two now magicians, engaged in witchcraft, meaning Harun and Musa. They are so supporting each other, and the people of Fir'aun said, we disbelieve both of them. We deny both of them. We reject both of them. So to the people of Fir'aun and his, uh, his people, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent not one Nabi but two. And they rejected both of them. And both were trained. Harun was an expert okay, uh, speaker. He was an orator. And his eloquence is mentioned by Musa himself. 
Musa was raised and trained by none other than Fir'aun. So even though they had tremendous credentials, people disbelieved in them and they dismissed them as being magicians. Now here we have Muhammad on the other end of the spectrum, where he doesn't do shar. He's not a poet. He hasn't been educated formally. And he's uh, an orphan. And you call him an orphan even though he was rich through Khadija's money and wealth. But you still call him an orphan. Right? That's just the way you are. But this matters now. Whether we send the most eloquent and sophisticated Nabi, meaning Musa and Harun, Harun being the most eloquent, and Musa being the most sophisticated. Why sophisticated? Because he's raised by none other than the Firan in the palace and that system, that culture. Or if we send the person who has neither, he has, doesn't have the ability to come up extempo with poetry, nor has he been raised in an academic environment. It doesn't matter which end of the human spectrum of education you are faced with, you disbelieve because of your arrogance. You don't want to believe. <coughs> that is the unfortunate demise of human arrogance. And why does he receive Nabuwa and Wahi? Why doesn't God talk to me? Right? This is what the Quran is now saying that we must appreciate that in order to believe we need to be humble. Without humbleness in front of Allah and His Fadl and His Rahmah, there is no Imam. Now, Muhammad, you must say this to them, that you must bring a revelation or a book from Allah that is more conducive to guidance than the both of them. The Quran and the Torah. I will follow. In Kuntum Sadiqin, if you are true. So the Prophet Sassam here is being urged now to turn the argument against them, which is a form of, uh, as you know, debate that many people use even today. So now, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, either you concede that the Torah and the Quran is from Allah, or you produce something better than the Torah and the Quran. And if you are able to produce something better than the Torah and the Qur'an, I will follow you. If you are truthful, but you are not truthful, so I will never follow you. Right? Meaning that as a, as, a, as, a, as a ploy to get them engaged in further dialogue, and to overwhelm the khasam, the opponent in debate, you need to come up with these ideals and these premises so that people know that you have the ability to argue and debate also. As I have mentioned several times before, the Prophets والسلام, are the most intellectual human beings ever. Allah has not created a species of human beings that are more intellectual than the Prophets. Nabuwa means you are intelligent, period. Nabuwa enhances your intelligence. Now, the ability of every Prophet to engage in dialogue and debate is well documented in the Quran and is well documented in the Sunnah. So we, as I've said before, prophets never backed away from debate, nor did they back away from any dialogue. That is what they were trained to do. 
So here Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi is being trained the same way, that they are debating with you on this premise that God spoke to you. How do we know that God spoke to you? And God spoke to Musa. So the first now um, rebuttal to that is what Allah is saying, that you weren't there, O Muhammad, when God spoke to Musa. We were there, we informed you, and that's how you know. Number one. Number two, that if they are saying that you don't have a book, then why don't you write a book? And if you have that book, which is more powerful, overwhelming, convincing than the Qur'an and the Torah, which you know about, why? Because you have ties with Yathrib, you have ties with the Yehud of the Hijaz, you have ties with those people when you go traveling up north and south for your business, and you have ties with these people, so you know the Torah is real. You know there's a group of people that follow the Torah, even in your time. So now, either you bring the Torah, or you bring the Qur'an, or you bring something better than the two together. And if you do that, since you are bragging about your ability to express yourself, and to be the most eloquent species on the planet, then why don't you do something that convinces me that you are guided? But you never made that claim. <coughs> I'm making the claim. So now, I'm going to ask you to make a counterclaim so that the debate will be concluded. And they were not able to do that, as we know. And if they don't respond to you, then you must be convinced, O Muhammad, that they are merely following their nafs and their desires their whims and their fancies, their passion. They're not following the truth. They're not interested in the truth. And who is going to be more misguided than the person who follows his hawa, his nafs, his temptations and desires without any guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Indeed Allah does not guide those people who are wrongdoers. The wrongdoing here is disbelief. Dhulm here means disbelief. Okay, so there are many forms of dhulm. Well, the greatest form of dhulm is shirk, which is to associate parts with Allah. That's what the Quran says. In the shirk al-dhulm al-azim. So that, although it's not necessarily in the form of a political injustice, nor a social injustice, nor any kind of human injustice, it is a theological injustice. That you are being unjust in your belief about the divine. That the Qur'an also terms as injustice. Meaning injustice doesn't have to be physical or moral. Injustice can be theological and spiritual. Here the guidance Allah subhanahu is speaking about The dhulm there is the dhulm of shirk and kufr. That in itself is an injustice. Rejection of the ultimate truth. It's a huge injustice. You can see the sun right in front of you. And you're telling everybody in the world it does not exist. Isn't that injustice? And then everybody believes you because you have convinced them through your hypnosis that yeah, it's not there. Whatever form of hypnosis you use, social media, okay, media, or writing, or deception, whatever it is uh, that you are using to tell people this is not the truth. So that level of injustice is now unfortunately the worst 
kind of injustice that we have experienced as human beings. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned this to uh, the Prophet sallallahu that there was an unjust person who claimed to be God and since he claimed to be God and he sought domination over people without guidance from Allah, we destroyed him. And likewise, any individual who seeks domination over people without guidance from Allah, he may meet the same fate, the fate of Firaun and his people. Right? This is the lesson Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is driving through into the minds and hearts of the listeners, and especially the address is to the Quraysh. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not want to destroy the Quraysh, which he didn't. He wanted the Quraysh to believe, which they did eventually. But it went through a due process, not legally, but socially. And that over 20 years of, uh, until the Fatah Makkah came, uh, most of them, uh, they refused to believe. And when they did believe, uh, they became leaders in such a way that we all know of in Muslim history. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala us to seek guidance from the Qur'an and from the Sunnah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to uh, practice whatever we need to practice to uh, receive our salvation from Allah. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq to read the Qur'an, to learn more about it, and to become close to Allah through the recitation of the Qur'an. This will be our final session for this semester. Inshallah, we will meet again, I believe, after. Not on the 4th, th- the, uh, but the week after. The 11th of January, inshallah. Okay? Have a safe holiday, whatever it is you're doing in the holidays. نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون السلام عليكم السلام